You are listening to Cards Subject to Change, brought to you by the For Frequency's Sake Podcast Network. Subscribe to For Frequency's Sake on your favorite podcast platforms for the newest episodes of Educated Ignorance, The Data Lab, Cards Subject to Change, and other great podcast content. Hello and welcome back to Card Subject to Change. I am your co-host, the Wizard CZ. With me, my tag team partner, the Honorable Nick Bull. Nick Bull, my friend, what's causing all this? <laughs> Greetings, salutations, and boy, if you are in, if you're looking for something fun to watch, we have got something for you this week. Uh, fun, used loosely. Um, I like to think I like to think of this podcast is 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 like you know kind of a side a hobby, um, a way to have fun. But it was kind of a chore this week. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> well, it definitely was. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I watched this uh, this tr- dumpster fire uh, more than once <laughs> in the last couple of weeks. I've watched it at least twice. Uh, it's kind of been uh, kind of been a hobby of mine. Uh, Let's just set the stage here. Uh, We are at the downfall of WCW. And this pay-per-view could arguably be what would be the catalyst to the complete and utter failure of WCW. We are in the heart of the Vince Russo, Eric Bischoff regime. We have a world champion who is uh, not qualified to be a world champion. Uh, we will talk about that in great detail <clears throat> because there's a lot of stuff going on with said world champion. Uh, overall, Nick, what did you think of the what did you think of the show? I'm going to tell you what. Like, I sit here and say it was a chore. I stayed at tongue and cheek. This show ends like a bucket of crap, but there are some bright spots on this show that I found as a wrestling fan enjoyable. I watched it twice. Uh, there were some things on the show that I'm like, when they happen, I'm like, yeah, this is great. I like this. There were some moments. For the most part, it is a, uh, a rolling dumpster fire of Vince Russo hot-shotting at its finest. Absolutely it is. <laughs> and, oh, my, are we in for a roller coaster of a ride. Um <clears throat> You know, we get the start of the show, which has highlights from uh, the previous Wednesday's Thunder, uh, which we're talking about two factions at this time. We're talking about the new breed or the new blood. I, I think it's the new blood. Yeah, it's the new Correct blood. Me if I'm wrong. And the Millionaires Club. Uh, obviously, the Millionaires Club is who you'd think it is. Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, etc. and so on. Uh, the new breed, you've got people like Shane Douglas. You've got, uh, oh my God, I just blanked oh, on his guys, name. Guys on the card were Sean Stasiak, um, Scott Steiner was new blood. Yes. Um, I'm trying to take a look here. Uh, Billy Kidman. Chris Canyon. Chris Canyon was Millionaire's Club, I believe. Mike Austin was new blood. Uh, Luger, Millionaire's Club, Buff Bagwell, New Blood. So yeah, the, the the line, the line, the proverbial line in the sand has been drawn. It is, it is going to happen here. 
and it does a slamboree 2000. Um, Ten matches on the card, all but one feature matchups between New Blood and Millionaires Club. You hear that repeatedly uh, throughout the match. A um, couple side notes Chris was talking about, or CZ was talking about, uh, introducing Millionaires Club and New Blood. Uh, Slamboree took place on May 7th of 2000, just to give you a little retrospective here. It was in Kansas City, Missouri at the Kemper Arena. I believe that's the same arena that Owen Hart passed away, if I'm not mistaken. I believe uh, you're correct. Crowd for the show, 7,165. We have on broadcast Tony Schiavone, Scott Hudson, Mark Madsen. And we have backstage, of course, Okerlund and Mike Tanay. Let me tell you this. Before we even get into one single match here, CZ, this show is best enjoyed on mute. <laughs> the fact that Tony, the fact that Tony Savani was the rose between two crap thorns in Scott Hudson and Mark Madsen. Scott oh. Hudson wants to be Larry Zabisco so bad, the over-the-top heel, and he's nobody. And Madsen is trying too hard. I feel bad for those guys. I feel even worse for Shivani having to work with them. I got to a point where I had to put it on mute. I couldn't take those guys anymore. I I totally understand. Shivani is the best of the group. And we are definitely outside of WCW's heyday. You know, the, the NWO is watered down as it became. Uh, they're not here. There is no big NWO faction any longer. You have no Bobby the Brain Heenan sitting at the desk. No Larry Zabisco. Mike Tanay pops in backstage every once in a while if even that so really you've got your uh, other than tony shivani you've got your b team of co- no 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 i'm sorry you have your c team of commentators for wcw we're well, we're already it, it, off it, to a rough start hey there's a ton of people in new blood and a ton of people in the millionaires club i couldn't even sit here and name all of them but man they really struggled for on-air talent and I, I feel bad, but I, I have a lot of you know feeling that Vince Russo was friends with a lot of these guys and gave them jobs. And I, I, I have to believe that's part of the case. And Shivani's like, well, my check's getting cash. I'll keep putting these guys. It, it, it takes away from the pay-per-view for me. And honestly, after the first watch into the second watch, I, I muted it and just enjoyed it that way. I do not blame you a bit. I wish I had thought to do that because Mark Madden in particular is just – Awful. I'm sorry. I was I was saying Madsen, so I I apologize for the for the name being wrong. My bad. No, I mean it, it's probably an improvement on his character as a whole. In all honesty, <laughs> uh, no the the commentary team. You got Mark Madden trying his hardest to be Bobby Heenan, and he is very much not. You've got uh, what's the other guy's name? Doc Hudson? No. Scott? Uh, Scott Hudson. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, trying desperately to be the living legend Larry Zbysko, uh, to, or to Those are the shoes they're trying to fill anyway. And they just... <laughs> dumpster fire is the only word I can, I can put those two in as commentators. Oh, for sure. It, it was. And I'm taking these notes. I'm like, man, these guys' voices annoy me. This is going to be a heck of a night. And they get right into the action after the, the, the video packages leading up to it and, and showing the feuds. 
And they kick it off with a good match. It's the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. Your champion, Chris Candido, uh, with Tammy Lynn Fish. You know them better as, if you're a WWE fan as Skip and Sonny, the body Donna's. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the champion here. And I want to, I notice, I, I, I write everything down, stuff that sticks out to me. Candido comes out with a cruiserweight belt that I'm not familiar with. That's not the classic looking cruiserweight belt in WCW. So I had a, that kind of uh, rose, uh, brought some attention. I, I, I'm like, ah, that looks different. I'll have to do some more digging on that, but that's the first thing that caught my eye. I didn't even notice opponent, that. Yeah, it's a different looking cruiserweight belt than what we're used to. His opponent, I die laughing. I forgot about this gimmick. Completely forgot about this gimmick. And it, and it works. It's the artist formerly known as Prince Iakea. This is Prince Iakea's newest gimmick, the artist, a, a runoff of, of Prince. And to Prince Iakea's credit, I think he does a great job in playing the Prince character. Uh, he's got Paisley uh, as his valet. And I got and, on here. I got on here. Influence has strip club vibes. <laughs> yes. Yes, 100%. And you mentioned the first thing you noticed was the cruiserweight belt. The first thing that I noticed is that Prince Ikea, uh, yes, I'm, I, I know that's not his name, uh, but he Paisley, who he came out with, uh, nod to her future self is Queen Charmel, Booker T's wife. That's correct. For those of you who did not know. Yes. So Queen Charmel paid, uh, worked for a prince before she you know, worked for a king. So, um, and then that happens here with Prince Ikea. I, I go, I, and this is not a disrespect to anybody in the industry, but I go, print, I, you know, Prince or the artist looks like a food service worker with his ring outfit. <laughs> I have worked in the food service industry as a banquet server in the past. He has on the black, the black dress pants, the white button down shirt. It's supposed to be kind of a paisley shirt like Prince would wear. Um, but man, it's got to be hard wrestling and dress pants and a dress shirt. But Prince Iakea looks like a food service worker on his breakout back. Just got done with a cigarette. He's going to kick some ass and then go back in and finish his step. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I agree. Uh, oh, my. And this match was – this this was an interesting match, you know. A uh, lot of uh, – the other thing that I noticed off the bat before we go into the match itself, uh, they've got the long entrance ramp which this time in WCW is really rare. I mean, we're starting to move away from the elongated, the stretched entrance ramp. You are. Long they're saying ago. this is like a first. This is the first in slambery history. Um, I got to think, that's how it used to be for all the clash of the tickets. I always associated that raised ramp with WCW. So, yeah, that was kind of a good thing to see. I, I, did, I did see that they noted that. I remember them noting that. And I'm going to talk about that ramp a couple times because uh, I'm not going to, I'm a fan of certain famous people's podcasts uh, like Eric Bischoff, Bruce Pritchard. Uh, there's a story behind that ramp and a couple of moments this night uh, with it being played out. One of which we'll get to at the end, but I'll give you a little tease from what I heard when I listened to uh, one of either Tony Schiavone or Eric Bischoff talking about this show uh, when I first listened to their podcast a while back. Uh, overall, you know, the match wasn't bad. 
Um, you've got some shenanigans with Tammy in a chair um, and Paisley and Prince Ikea. <laughs> um, here's the thing that, that struck me about the match, though, is was the end. Because <clears throat> I don't know if it was miscommunication on the referee's part or what, but the match ended, restarted, and ended again with the same person winning both times. Yeah, uh, a little snap through there. I don't know what was going on. I, I had on here, this match is a good opener. <clears throat> and outside of Tammy Lynn Fitch uh, screaming every time uh, Chris Candido took a bump, um, that got really annoying real fast. Uh, I said this match is a good opener, but it's very, very sloppy. And the sloppiness, I believe, was on the part of the artist. Um, several times Candido had to scoot. Uh, to make the spot or to make it look somewhat believable. Um, it, it's just, I thought he was very sloppy in this match. And I thought it lingered, and you saw that towards the end. I think maybe that's kind of why um, you had the ending the way it was. Um, I was going crazy. I don't know, maybe, did they give away free beer? Because this match was good. I think they're just excited. It's a Slammery 2000, right? It's one of their big events. Yeah. It was a good back and forth. We end with a flying headbutt. And uh, Chris Candido, the champ, retains at just under eight minutes, seven minutes and 59 seconds. I'm a big fan of Candido. I've, been, I've watched some stuff of his in ECW. I think one of his best ECW matches, he has a match against Sabu. And it's not what you think. It's more of a wrestling match. And I think it's one of Sabu's better matches. Because he's not—he's he, doing a Sabu stuff, but there's more wrestling in it than just the high spots of Sabu. So we, that, that's another place, another time. But I always look forward to when Chris Candido pulls up on the card and we get to review one of his matches. And for sure, he's the veteran in here. You've got Prince Ayakea or the artist. I'm sorry, uh, as he's known at this time. You know, still, still an up and coming star. He hasn't been around for very long. So really, Candido had to carry this match and make make the artist look good. And I think, I think he did a good job of that. Uh, but like you said, it was very sloppy, especially at the end. Hey, it was sloppy at the end, but if you like sloppy, there's plenty of that on that show or on this <laughs> show. And that's a great segue into our next match. Uh, match number two is for the WCW hardcore championship. Only match on the card that did not have millionaire club and new blood storylines involved. We have your current champ, Terry Funk, against Norman Smiley and a mystery opponent. And my first note I took was completely forgot about hardcore Funk and WCW. Completely forgot about it. I did too. Completely forgot about it. I see Funk walking with a belt. I think it's a pretty decent-looking belt uh, for WCW hardcore belt. I, I actually, my eyes were drawn to it. I think, oh, that's pretty cool. I totally forgot, forgot about this. But, man... I love how he goes. He shows up backstage. Uh, Funker is, and he's like, hey, "Get your possum playing ass out here!" And I love, I love how he talks. I love how he talks to those people. He walks up, and the people are like, pointing to where Smiley is, and and get your possum playing ass out here. I just love it. And then the fight starts in the men's room. Right after most fights start. Well, yeah, of course. 
And you know, you've got you've got Norman with his mystery partner who Terry Funk finds in the stall as the mystery partner, and Norman comes in and just hits him immediately, sprays the fire extinguisher right on to Funk. <clears throat> and know, how many how him. many times did you hear I'm I'm not trying to jump on you, but how many times did you hear in this match? Fifty five, middle aged and crazy. How many times I, did you hear that this match? I, 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 I think lost about thirteen. <clears throat> yeah, I, I had that in my notes. Uh, oh my god, and and it was all from uh, in my re- recollection, it was all from one commentator saying that it was Mark Madden, middle aged and crazy, middle aged and crazy. Oh, I know, I know, <laughs> and you know this is a this is a hardcore match. If you want to say hardcore, it's backstage at WCW. Um, but man, they really, they really took it to a whole new level. I put you guys destroy Mean Gene's set. Uh, Norman Smiley got thrown into some metal, some metal girders, and then uh, down went Mean Gene's set. So uh, <laughs> I thought that was a pretty fun moment. And yeah. I, I, <laughs> this is where it started for me, okay? <laughs> when Funk has Norman Smiley pinned, the mystery partner's just standing there, not trying to break it up. <laughs> yeah, the, the mystery partner was the worst partner you could ever have. I mean, we'll, we'll, just, we'll, we'll get to the reveal, but... He's following them around like a lost near fall. Yeah, Funk near fall. Mystery partner looks on. And it happens again. Oh, my God. <laughs> and there was a part that I have in my notes where Norman Smiley is down in the backstage area. Uh, mystery partner comes in with a trash can and starts hitting Funk on the head with the weakest hits I have ever seen in my life. It's like yeah. a, just a little love tap with a trash can. Thinking yeah, he's going to you- take out Terry Funk. When you find out the mystery partner, you're going to realize it's, it's not the best worker. And uh, this is how you get your comedy into the wrestling, too. And my goodness, it doesn't it doesn't stop. So outside of two near falls where the mystery partner looks on. We have Funk now take the mystery partner and he is ushering him up the long aisle way back to the ring. We have been backstage this whole time up until this point for this match. I put on here, the mystery partner reveal is sickening. <laughs> sickening, in <the> fact, <laughs> sickening in the fact, as the mystery partner's coming out, his shirt is up around his face. We don't know yeah. who the mystery partner is. We're about halfway to the ring. Okay? The first thing I'm thinking of is that thing a hernia or is it the alien from Total Recall that comes out of the guy's butt? <laughs> oh, it was so bad. And I. Oh, oh know, it gets better. This is the worst part. And I should have put the time code on there for our uh, listeners and, and for you to go back and watch. I'll let you say who it is. But so, as the mystery partner is getting thrown into the ring. His hernia got stuck on the top rope. Oh, yes, it did. And, and I about wet myself 
from disbelief, laughter. I had to rewind it a couple times. I'm like, I had to make sure. Yeah, the hernia, uh, the appendage, the alien, whatever it is sticking out of the mystery partner's belly got stuck on the top of it. And because of that, it caused, and we did not thankfully get a view of this. The camera did not cut to where we could see this at this time, at this point anyway. But because of that getting stuck on the top rope, you've got Terry Funk with a handful of tights. His pants come off almost completely. So his naked ass is hanging out on the other side of the, the ropes from what we can see. And I'm and, sure the fans got a real treat on that, who were on that side of the ring. I mean, it, it, that hernia, is it, it, it like moves. It was really disturbing, and that's all I could think about after that. <laughs> after, <laughs> after the hernia gets stuck on the top rope, I'll let you reveal who it is. Oh, man, it is none other than the Jericho Protection uh, Society, uh, for lack of better, I don't remember the exact terminology when Jericho brought him in a uh, truck driver who turned into a heavy for Chris Jericho as part of his security detail during the Goldberg storyline that Jericho was trying to portray none other than world famous WCW talent Ralphus. Oh, oh. yes. And Ralphus and his appendage. If you don't remember Ralphus, and you're up for some of the most ridiculous shit you've ever seen. Go back and watch some some WCW with Ralphus because <laughs> he's got the cutoff shirts when he's with Jericho. He's got this ridiculousness with Terry Funk and Norman Smiley. He's all over the place. And for all intents and purposes, this guy should never have been on TV. This is a truck driver. Who the no, only no, reason he got on no, TV? No, listen, listen, listen. <laughs> if he's not on TV, I don't get a third of the laughs from this pay per view. Okay, because that's fair. It, it starts. It starts backstage. I mean, he looks like a Teletubby. He's dressed like catcher <laughs> uh, in a major league baseball uniform. Norman Smiley yep. dressed as a baseball player. So that's the thing. And he's slow. Ralphus is a little slow, both physically and, and developmentally. I think we all know that. But, yeah, he's the security. He's the mystery partner. After the reveal, after he comes to the ring, I have a quote from Tony Schiavone that says, oh, my God, what a match. I'm going to go. I'm going to give Tony. I'm going to give Tony the benefit of the doubt here and say that had to be in jest. Well, what I'm going to tell you this is I don't have a lot more on this, but. A couple notes. The match doesn't last longer. Thank God for all those involved and for those that had to watch it. I'm gonna, I, I put here, Ralphus sells like a pro. He took a crappy chair shot from Funk and just dropped like a fly. <laughs> and I put on here, I've never been happier in my life to see a roll up for the win of a match. Oh, my <laughs> that and is that was this very match right here. So I, the roll-up at the end is, is, is timely. It's perfect. It ends at 10.53. It's under 11 minutes. There are tons of laughs in there. And this may be my favorite, if not it's my second favorite match on the card for that. you got to go and back and watch the total recall alien coming out of Ralphus's stomach 
and it getting stuck on the ring rope. And here's what I have in my notes that I loved about that. You've got Norman, who his big thing uh, is the big wiggle, but oh Ralphus insists on doing his own wiggle <laughs> with... <laughs> Go back and watch this. You want something that's going to get you he, some laughs? He, he gets behind Terry Funk and gives him the business. The the worst big wiggle in the business. Thank you very much, Ralphus. Go back and watch this match. If you want to just have some serious fun. Because it's, it's, it's very comedic. It's very well put together. And, you know, for no other reason than that, you've also got a legend of the business, a hardcore legend of the business in Terry Funk carrying this match to its, to its extinction, to its conclusion. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, Norman Smiley and Terry Funk are two great workers, but having, uh, having Ralphus in this makes the show. And don't forget, Ralphus did a lot more besides the Jericho thing. And this match proves it. Um, we have got to pay some bills here. Don't we CZ? We, we do. So we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're going to toss things over to Joe the Show Winkle, who's going uh, to give our bookers some love here. So we'll be right back. Make sure you tune into For Frequency Sake on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch each Sunday during the football season from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. The boys from For Fantasy Sake will be bringing the fire fantasy football takes, updating you on the week's rankings and injuries, and getting you ready for your fantasy football matchups each and every week. The show is interactive, so be sure to send your questions. You can find them at For Frequency Sake on Facebook, at FFSQC on Twitter, or you can send them an email at ForFantasySakeQC at gmail.com. Thank you very much to friend of the show, uh, Joe the Show Winkle. You can find him on the Educated Ignorant Ignorance podcast on the For Frequency Sake podcast network, anywhere you can find your podcasts. Uh, Nick, coming back to uh, Slamboree 2000, after we see the, the big wiggle and the bigger wiggle, uh, we go backstage to meet Gene talking with the, and I can't believe I ever have to say this line in any time frame, the world heavyweight champion, David Arquette. Yeah, at the time, um, there was a lot going on. Obviously, WCW was struggling, and they were trying to do all that they could to keep themselves relevant. David Arquette filmed a movie called Ready to Rumble, and that's how the two worlds kind of cross over and parlayed into a world heavyweight title reign for David Arquette. Arquette's talking backstage. Uh, he's ready for tonight, but he's scared. He's being honest, and he's, he's, he's about as ready as he'll ever be for the match. Yeah, and... All in all, it was a good interview. You got to keep in mind here that during this time in WCW, this was when the uh, AOL Time Warner Company had purchased uh, purchased the business from uh, from Ted Turner. So the tie-in there is you've got the movie tie-in because of the partnership with AOL Time Warner. Uh, that is where a lot of this stems from. Uh, they're kind of pushing the movie to be a part of WCW because, let's face facts, the movie is a WCW movie for all intents and purposes. Uh, 
I'll be honest, I've got a lot of love for Ready to Rumble. If you haven't seen it, it's worth watching. Uh, just as a one-time go, it's very entertaining. Uh, as a wrestling fan and as a comedic fan, uh, what do you think, Nick? I'm, I'm not sure if you've – have you watched Ready to Rumble? What are your thoughts on the movie? Oh, God, years ago. Years ago. I remember I – rem- I don't – I can't sit here and give you a, a scene-by-scene breakdown, but it, for what it is, it's not bad. I mean, we're looking at 2000. It's a wrestling movie starring David Arquette. And you've got WCW wrestlers on screen. So they were trying to get their guys out there, be seen. You know, the, the Monday Night Wars are over, and they're trying to still show everybody they're relevant. And what better way in a hop in a major motion picture? So, no, it's not bad. Would I go back and watch it four or five times? No, but it's worth a watch. And, and, yeah. and I, know, I know you're going to pick on David Arquette later, and I'm going to be on the opposite side of that. I'm going to defend David Arquette here later on. Um, but I'm telling you, if we don't, we got to keep these matches going. We might be here all night talking about this stinker of a show. I mean, and, and, and listen, this is where it gets this is where it gets stinky, in my opinion. You got a you got a, like a two match run here, in my opinion, and where it got stinky and it started to lose. Uh, match number three, we've got the perfect one: Sean Stasiak versus Kurt Henning, who everybody knows for his WWE gimmick as Mister Perfect. Yep. Did you notice that Sean Stasiak got perfect music on this pay-per-view? Yes. Yes, I did. Okay. Uh, and I'm that's like, something that that's something we he got a lot of things from <clears throat> from Mr. Perfect on this pay-per-view. He's got his music, he's got <clears throat> essentially his WWE gimmick, WWF gimmick, and you know, not to not to spoil the end of the match, but he's got the he's got his finisher also. Yeah, we're not spoiling anything here. I, I, there's no spoiling here. There, this this pay per view's been out for 22 years. That's fair. <laughs> but you're, you're right. It, this match, uh, it could have been a minute or two shorter, but it goes just shy of eight minutes at 7:54. Um, I put Stacey Edgar's perfect music. Give me a break. Um, and then they started losing me. Hey, they 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 scrapped Stasiak and Henning right away and just started shoving the new blood. And the Millionaires Club down our throats, Rusoff, Russo and Bischoff, blah, 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 blah. So they're, they're doing that. And, hey, there's a match going on, too. And then, hey, there's the Mystic in action, MIA at ringside. I, I completely forgot these guys were even a faction. I knew who all the guys were in it. But at this point, who the hell cares? Who the hell cares if the Mystics are ringside? I don't give a crap. And then I wrote on here again, Scott Hudson is ruining the show for me. He's trying so hard to be Larry Zabisco. I go, Stasiak hits the perfect flex. One, two, three. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to call out one thing in this match. I, I mentioned I was going to bring up something about the entrance ramp. So at the end of the show, there is a spot <clears throat> that we'll talk about when we get there with this entrance ramp. Uh, the reason they have the long the long ramp going to the ring, um, so there's a part of it that's gimmicked. Uh, I'm not this like you said. It's a 20 year old show. Shouldn't ruin anything for you. We'll talk more about that gimmicked part of the the entrance ramp at the end of the ring. But what I want to talk about, Mister Perfect, uh, the consummate ribber that he is, uh, takes a shot at Eric Bischoff by teasing, throwing Stasiak onto the portion of the ramp that's been gimmicked for later on. 
he doesn't actually do it, but he he's trying to be hilarious and get under Bischoff's skin by picking Stasiak up and teasing that he, teasing that he's going to throw him and ruin the end of the the spot at the end of the night. You know what? If he would have done that, it might have saved the show. <laughs> you might be right. He he might have saved the show. Um, it's a back and forth match. Old the old guy against the young up and comer. Stasiak gets the win clean. Um, and did we see? Is it Chuck Palumbo that comes out? Um, after this match, because I really, I thought Palumbo and Stasiak become a team. I know Palumbo came out later and maybe celebrated or something with them. This show, this show has definitely got some stuff on it, but that stuff that, that that's not memorable. Match four. Okay, it goes off the rails here. <laughs> oh God! So I, I, gotta, I gotta... want to know. I want to know how much monkey hormones were going through Scott Steiner's veins. <laughs> he looks absolutely uninterested in this match. He looks more interested in talking smack to the ringside fan. Yeah, he's got two beautiful women with him who are like trying to get him to the ring and trying to not get him to go after the fan. I, after watching Scott Steiner in this state, and this is pre-chest tattoo, Scott Steiner, in case you're wondering, you Scott Steiner fans out there. I can't believe he's still alive. My God, that guy's hard got to blow through his chest at one point. He has taken so many performance enhancers. But, man, he throws... Hugh Morris around. Excuse me. Yeah, Captain me. Hugh G. Reaction. What the hell, dude? This is you like a juvenile joke. Match. Even in 2000. You start this match with Hugh Morris coming out and saying, my name is stupid. It's a name that was given to me by Eric Bischoff. I'm going to call myself by my real name, which does not make me sound stupid at all. You can call me Hugh G-Rection. Come on, man. What the hell? <laughs> Captain Rection for short. Yeah. <laughs> and, and by the way, he, by the way, he's the leader of the Misfits, in case you gave a crap about that. Interesting note, Morris, or excuse me, I'm sorry, Captain Huge G-Rection comes out to Mike Awesome's music in ECW. <laughs> Which wow. we see Mike Awesome. We see Mike Awesome in the next segment, but yeah, the, the uh, huge G erection comes out to Mike Awesome's music. Um, I, I said Steiner's more impressed, talking to the fans, posing for the women. Um, he, he's he's raging here. He is raging, Scott Steiner. Um. I don't really I'm not really I, I know it seems I'm glossing over this but the, the, the real uh, burnable crappable moment this match is when Captain Rex and I can't believe I'm calling him Captain Rex Captain <laughs> does the moonsault off the ropes misses and kicks Steiner in the head <laughs> Oof. The, moon, the moonsault misses Steiner rolls out of the way but he gets hit 
clocked square across the forehead. He sells it for a second, hops up, gets pissed, and sinks in the Steiner recliner. I would be pissed, too, if Captain Huge G-Rection missed the spot and landed it across my, across my face. I think anybody would. As if Scott Steiner wasn't already easily agitated, he puts a Steiner recliner in and wins at 924. The best part of this match, besides it ending, was the fact that Booker T comes down to a huge pop in clean towels. So we get to see Booker T on this sinking ship. And it's too bad he didn't have a match because like uh, like you were saying, whether it was tongue-in-cheek or not, about perfect sa- possibly saving the show by throwing Stasiak through the gimmicked part of the ramp, Booker T, with even one match on this show, could have saved this card. Yeah, very well could have, but I'm sure in the infinite wisdom that's Vince Russo, uh, he probably didn't have anything for him. I mean, how, how could you not have anything for Booker T? Regardless, um, love that guy. Love that guy. Uh, I'm glad he was able to... Uh, have a career in WWE after uh, Chip sunk there in uh, in Turner Land, uh, but yeah, it was good to see him. Booker T looks great. It's, you forget how freaking cut he looked and how much younger he looked, but he he, he looks really good here when he shows up and uh, beats down the bad guys. Yeah, very nice to see him. Very good spot. Uh, just completely cleans house and takes out Scott Steiner. Probably uh, probably the highlight of that whole match for me, Booker T coming out at the end, after it's over. Oh, of course, of course. So from I didn't there have, I didn't have any other notes other than that Booker T looked great and that the match the match ended. And that's that's where my notes end too. Uh, from there we go to uh, the Mike Awesome match. And let me ask you, Nick, who better than Canyon? Mike Awesome. Pretty much, uh, pretty much anybody. I know. If you ask again, I, ru- I ruined your gimmick. I'm sorry. <laughs> Who better than Nobody Canyon? Better than Canyon. And in <laughs> watching these shows, and proverbially, we're taking a crap on this one and having fun with it. Um, I love this match. Um, I love both these guys as workers. It's sad to know they're both no longer with us. But Mike Awesome, go back and look him up in ECW. He was fabulous. He was fantastic. Now I know they did that that seventies guy, that seventies guy, Mike Awesome. And this is the Mike Awesome the world needs. Was this incarnation? And I, I'm I'm a self-professed awesome mark. So I was looking forward to this match going in. I totally forgotten that this feud had happened. Um. And the most impressive thing about Mike Awesome, I wish he was still around today. He, he, he missed out on a generation because the big guy can work and the big guy can fly. Here's, here's it, what I have noted. He it makes it look the, believable. He has the size of a heavyweight with the agility of a cruiserweight. Uh, I think one of the commentators said that, but it fits. It very well fits because Mike Awesome's in-ring ability, his his capabilities as a wrestler uh, <clears throat> are very, very put together. He's a very put together wrestler, very underrated, probably should have been bigger than he was, and it's sad that he's no longer with us. 
It's had no long. He's no longer with us. But uh, I'm gonna tell you, like we're we're sitting here talking like he can fly. He's not doing stupid flipping moves that are unnecessary. He he's doing uh, he, he's going over the top rope in, in a press. He's coming off the top rope with an elbow drop. They're smart big man moves that work. And man, I have on here in all caps. This is a full fledged hot fight. These two were just kicking the crap out of each other. They really and were. They were. I could go back and watch this match again. It only goes for 12 minutes, 11 seconds. Uh, it ends in a no contest. Um, but what better way? Uh, to end a Haas fight in a in no contest and introduce another Haas to it, right? Yeah, big sexy. Uh, Kevin Nash, the giant killer himself, comes out and just cleans house for a while. And what I have noted here, this leads to the mid-card brawl. Uh, so every, uh, other than Kevin Nash, every mid-carder in the show, in the building, comes out and brawls here. Hey, all the guys that we don't have anything for, this is where you come out. Right? Exactly. You want to get on the pay-per-view, then you're gonna you're gonna go fight in the at the end of the Mike Awesome match where everybody's gonna get on TV if you don't have a if you don't have a match. <clears throat> I'm telling you what, when we're done crapping on this show, that's the first match I'm gonna go back and watch again on the show. Um I love Mike Awesome. We will we will get down a Mike Awesome rabbit hole in twenty twenty-three. I, I, I promise you that we're going to have some new stuff for you coming in 2023. And we're going to go deeper into some of these guys that weren't around long, had some matches. We'll highlight some of their matches and talk more about them. But Mike Awesome here, it's a good version of him, but his best stuff is UCW and the late, great Chris Canyon. I mean, hey, remember when he was the MVP of the invasion? I do. Remember that? Yeah. yeah, I mean, he, he he was a part of the invasion, so he's here in 2000. He, he stuck around and was able to to become, you know, make make a name for himself in the invasion angle. So, yeah, it, it wasn't too bad. I like this match. I like both guys and, and having Kevin Nash come out and, and everybody um, take out the new blood was, was cool. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, you're fine. Um, so, so we roll from the big guys. No, you're fine. You're fine. We roll from this Haas fight into uh, into well, the the story behind this match is uh, you wouldn't be able to get away with this today because this is all about no. Vince Russo owning Miss Elizabeth Liz. Uh, and Luger is going to try and get her back by fighting Buff Bagwell. And putting her in precarious situations. Yeah, this stuff wouldn't fly today. It doesn't age well. Um, sad to know that Liz is no longer with us. Sad to know that Luger is just the former shell of himself, but he, he's in better, better uh, condition mentally. Uh, Buff Bagwell here, he looks great. But, man, he's been hanging out with Steiner, it looks like, you know. Yep, monkey hormones raging through them. Weren't they a I tag team at one point? Uh, they Steiner were. and Bagwell. I think they were at one point. Yeah, this was. <clears throat> I think they were in the NWO. They palled around together, but they, they, I, I put on here. This match makes me sad. That's what I have on here. It makes me sad. Luger doesn't look like he normally did before. 
No. And it really dates me when he had the tearaway pants and the tearaway shirt. Oh my God. <laughs> nothing this... screams 2000. Nothing screams 2000 like the tearaway pants uh, that you'd like lounge around in your house, right? <laughs> right. <clears throat> and this is where you mentioned Chuck Palumbo earlier. This is where Palumbo comes out. That's and... right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got, I got confused. Here's the thing. You've got Sean Stasiak earlier in the night imitating Mr. Perfect. Well, Chuck Palumbo comes out and he's wearing Lex Luger's gimmick, Lex Luger's trunks. He gives Lex Luger the torture rack. So you've got, I don't know if this is imitation is the best form of flattery or what's going on, but two wrestlers who will eventually form a tag team. I believe I believe Palumbo was under the tutelage of Luger at this point, and it was the student turning on the teacher. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I, I that's that I believe that's what happened when they had the magic thing. That was him turning on him. Um, and of so course, that, shout out to Chuck Palumbo and his later career as uh, Billy Gunn's partner, Chuck and Billy. Chuck and Billy for sure, and I believe Palumbo <laughs> also had. <clears throat> Was it was it Sean O'Hare and Chuck Palumbo that were WCW champions during that whole invasion? I yes, I, I want to say that's. I mean, yes. I, for some reason, we got on this invasion thing. I think we were talking about Canyon. I mean, but yeah, that's I, I I know Chuck Palumbo ends up with Sean O'Hare before he ended up with Billy Gunn and WWE. But yeah, Chuck Palumbo, uh, that's a guy that got out of wrestling, got smart, got out of it before it got him right. Yeah, probably the best thing he ever did, <clears throat> especially coming from the time that he came from. So Luger, Luger wins the match nine and a half minutes, and we roll into our next match, one of the featured matches of the show. I believe this is the first time these two have ever met, uh, fought, or, or at least that I can re- recollect. I'm sure they have. Somebody will call in and tell me. I'm not saying I'm the know-all, and all, just off the top of my head. We have the franchise, Shane Douglas, against the leader or the mouthpiece of the Millionaires Club, Ric Flair. And there's a stipulation to this match. If Shane Douglas beats Flair, Russo gets five minutes with Flair. Is that correct? I believe, actually, it's if Russo interferes. If Russo interferes. That's right. That's right. Then Flair would have five minutes with Russo after the match. Um, I didn't know what to think of Flair here. I, uh, you know, this is this is May 2000. We're about a year away from WCW getting uh, sold. And you've, you've heard now about Flair was really struggling with his confidence and stuff at that point. Flair's wrestling in dress slacks, in a dress shirt, a short sleeve shirt. That's the first thing I kind of thought of. I said, you know, where where is Ric Flair mentally here? You know, he that's was really... the first thing I have in my notes, also because no, seriously, you... I, I, I mean, great minds think alike, I guess. But I, you know, where is Ric Flair mentally? Um, and, and you've got to think, you've got to think that at this time he was at the start of his uh, his downward spiral and his lack of confidence. As he's as as we're getting towards the end of WCW, and he's getting ready to show up in WWE, because when he first showed up in WWE, that was a continuing thing for him mentally. He's not all 
Uh, he's not the Ric Flair of old. It took uh, it took Triple H and starting Evolution to build that confidence back up for Flair. Yeah, for sure. He was he he didn't have a spot on the card, and this and this Millionaires Club New Blood thing he did. Um, he takes on Shane Douglas here, but uh, I, that that was the biggest thing for me in this match. And maybe maybe I was thinking about that too much. I didn't take a lot of notes. Um, I enjoyed the match. You know, one thing they did right with this show, and we can crap on it now, we can crap on the card, but the match lengths aren't that bad. No. They keep things moving. It's what a pay-per-view should be, three hours or under, and they do a good job of that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to compliment them on that for that. And we've sat here and crapped on them all over this, but uh, they kept this match moving. But I was just kind of sad for Flair. God, I'm getting all sappy and emotional here. But, no, I, I just put – where was he at mentally in this match? Um, Shane Douglas, usually a pretty good worker. So, you know the two could probably have a good match. It probably could have been better if Flair was more invested. But you can't blame him at this point, right? Right. <clears throat> and, you know, here's here's what I what have. Did so, you, what did you think about the match? Honestly, I thought the match was, was as good as it could be. Considering. I mean, considering, yeah. yes. All things considered, I mean, probably handpicked by Rick himself. You have uh, you have Charles Robinson, aka Little Nate, as the referee for the match. Uh, I like the spot at the beginning where Flair turns to Robinson and says, "Hey, the ref holds the ropes for the world champ." That's right. I thought was a nice touch. Oh, absolutely! Uh, I like that. I like that too. And you know, at the end of the match, a Russo, uh, air quotes, comes in. He's wearing a sting mask. He interferes in the match to give uh, give Flair his five minutes with Vince Russo. Only we find out that it's not Vince Russo that uh, that is under the sting mask. And when the big reveal is after being <clears throat> after being hit with a bat, uh, we find out that this is actually Ric Flair's kid, David Flair, who. Turned on his dad. Turned on his father. Yep. Big storyline got set up here. David Flair had been with WCW off and on for a year and a half, two years. Um, ooh, excuse me there. I was uh, barping up or barping there. Excuse me. Um, this, I'm trying to think back. I don't know the year off the top of my head. Easy, but, you know, I got sad when I saw this too. I'm like, wow. You know, there's David Flair, who probably had he had the best in in the business with the greatest wrestler of all time, and and man, his demons caught up to him. You wonder, you wonder if he could have, uh, you know, ever, you know, done his own thing. You know, sure, Charlotte went on and did hers, but women's wrestling, it was easier for her to do that. And he would probably always be compared to his dad. But you know, I was sad about Ric Flair where he was mentally in this match, and then. The David Flair thing, I, I it was I was happy to see him, and also made me sad. But the way they brought him in with the sting mask was great. Absolutely, and I want to take a moment here. This we haven't mentioned it until now. The thing with this this card with the regime of Bischoff and Russo, you've we've seen a lot of shenanigans and a lot of interference and uh, craziness throughout the show. There are a lot of laxed rules in the ring and the commentators talk about it throughout the card throughout the entire show. It's not your standard. Uh, it's not your standard pay-per-view where there are match rules like count outs and disqualifications because you don't see a lot of them 
but you do see a lot of chaos and interference all throughout the show. Yeah, and there's a lot of hitting with foreign objects. Um, you do that more than once, it takes away from it, you know. Save that for when it when you need it. And so just repetitive booking, lazy booking, whatever you want to call it, it's starting to come out here, right? Um, yeah. and, and that's that's the downfall of Vince Russo booking. It, it can get lazy at times. It gives you that big boom crash moment, but it also gets lazy and, and you're getting you're getting that here. One hundred percent. And it just shows and this that's honestly one of the reasons why uh, WCW after losing the Monday Night Wars, they went down the toilet because it was lazy booking by Vince Russo. And I'm not I'm not trying to shit on Vince Russo. I don't want to crap on the man. The guy did a phenomenal job during the Attitude Era, but he also had Vince McMahon to say, wait a minute, that's a little too much. Yes, when he had someone to rein him in, it was controllable. But when he had no one looking over his shoulder, going carte blanche, it, 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 it just didn't, wasn't going to end well. And we have that here. And the New Blood's fingerprints are all over this pay-per-view. Um, and we see that David Flair is now the new member of the New Blood. Um, so, you know, Vince Russo now has one up on Flair. Not only is the New Blood, uh, you know, win this match and Shane Douglas wins this match, but Flair's son has also turned on him. So now, now it's gotten personal. <laughs> ah, that old wrestling trope. Now it's gotten personal. Uh, well, Nick, we've got three more matches to talk about, but we do have to take another quick break and pay some more bills. Uh, so I'm going to pass sure. things back over to the friend, our good friend of the show, uh, Mr. Joey Winky. Uh, who's going to talk about uh, talk about the websites for, for frequency's sake. In addition to bringing fire on the mic, the team at For Frequency's Sake is still bringing it online as well. Check out ForFantasySakeQC.com this season for College DFS, Survivor League, and betting advice each and every week of this football season. Again, that is ForFantasySakeQC.com for College DFS, Survivor League, and betting advice each week during the football season. Thank you, Mr. Winkle. We appreciate your uh, your contribution to the show. Uh, again, you can find him over on the Educated Ignorance podcast on the Four Frequency Sake Podcast Network. And we are very so, thankful for those folks for having the platform, the opportunity, uh, the ring, if you will, the card, if you will, uh, to come here and talk about wrestling. Yeah, we pick up where we left off. And by the way, you got fantasy. If you need fantasy advice last second for injuries, uh, you know, in, NFL injury reports are a nightmare. Listen to these guys on Sunday morning. They will get you um, squared away. And you know what? If your question doesn't get answered, I bet somebody else is probably asking that same question. So, so tune in for other questions. You might get your question answered by someone else and and then be on your way. But if you don't listen and your fantasy football team sucks, I don't want to hear it. Take your complaint somewhere else, and I'm sure Deej would say the same thing. I think you are correct. Uh, DJ would definitely say the same thing. He's one of the uh, one of the three guys who 
takes fantasy football by the reins and gives you everything you need to know every Sunday from 10 to 11.30. So coming back to uh, Slamboree, we have uh, our, our favorite longevity performer. It's Sting! Facing we have- against Sting Jr., <laughs> It's Sting Jr. Uh, it's 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 Sting versus Evil Sting uh, with the paint with the paint. But we have got to find out, or I'm going to find out after the show is done recording. When the initial, when the first ever, it's Sting. When that was, I've got that- to find out. Because I want to go back and watch it and just be able to live it in. But I remember when he came with the first time in AEW and we heard it. It was like, oh, it's taking me back to being 15, 16 again, man. It was goosebump moment. But, uh, well, yeah, we have Sting versus Evil Sting or the artist known as Vampiro. Um, I don't know a lot about Vampiro. Um, by the time he had gotten to WCW, it was during this time. And I'm glad you picked Flamboree 2000 because – I really didn't remember watching this pay-per-view. I, I had seen the main event for obvious reasons, but I'm not familiar really with Vampiro's work. I know he was a commentator and a performer for Lucha Underground. Mm-hmm. I believe that like had four seasons. He was on that. Um, I, you know, he wrestled for a time in WCW, but uh, when I saw the card for this show, this was probably the other, the, the, the third match I was looking forward to. I, I what likes to sting younger, obviously, 22 years ago in Vampiro. And for a match, for two guys you think that would go longer, obviously you see why it didn't with the match after it in the main event. Um, I could watch these two feud over a longer period of time. I'm not sure how much they feuded after this because I didn't watch the show after this, but it I was a long standing feud from what I remember. It really, they, okay. they really, uh, uh, I, I seem to remember a graveyard match at one point. Um, I don't remember if if he was part of this or not, but the uh, the Kiss Demon, I believe uh, David <laughs> Torberg is his name, partnered with Vampiro <laughs> at one point. <laughs> I'm saying real things here, people. These these things really happened. <laughs> but no, there was some longevity. Pause. Pause. There are there are things. You hear you you hear throughout the day that you don't expect to hear when you get out of bed. I did not think there would be a Demon Slayer kiss reference, but damn it, you went out you went out and got it done. Congratulations! <laughs> I am I am here to help. I am here to <laughs> surprise you with all sorts of craziness. Uh, speaking of surprising you with all sorts of craziness, one thing that I have in my notes for this match. Yes. Uh, the build up the build up to the match had a lot of uh, a lot of red is what I'm gonna say and that's I'm saying red because that is all the commentary team could say let's face facts if you're watching it you know there was a lot of blood dropped from the ceiling dropped on wrestlers but because of standards and practices of AOL time Warner and therefore WCW, the commentary team was not allowed to use the word blood, so they could only use the word red. <clears throat> could you or, imagine could you imagine today if that was still the same rule? I mean, it just shows you how much things have changed over time. 
I, I caught that too, and I'm like, what a pain in the ass for these guys. They're, they're grown ass adults uh, commenting on men in tight and underwear, and they can't say blood. I mean, I, I, I don't know what they did during movies at that time. Did they edit out blood? I, I don't know what time Warner at the time, but yeah, that was kind of a pain in the butt to get around. Uh, and, you know, second time through, I just muted it. So it didn't bother me too much. <laughs> <laughs> the match itself, you know, like you said, they, they could have gone longer. These two could, uh, could definitely go in the ring. This was during Sting, maybe not Sting's, uh, Heyday, maybe not his full prime, but shortly after, as he's in the twilight of his WCW career, and obviously he's had a lot more longevity since WCW being in TNA, uh, WWE for a short period of time, and now AEW. But this was definitely as in a portion of Sting's decline, as we're at the same time as WCW's decline for his for this era of Sting. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. You know, the better days thing have passed. Um, as WCW, you know, he went down with the ship. He was in the main event on the last show with Ric Flair. So he was there until the very end. And, and I think that's why um, a lot of people can commend Sting. Um, I, I just, I love going back and watching this old Sting stuff. And I'll come out and profess, I, I wasn't the biggest Sting fan growing up, but man, I had the biggest appreciation in the world for him now. And I'm so glad that he is still active. I'm so glad I was got, I got to see him all out perform. I'd never seen him perform before or you know, wrestle before. And it was, it's a legend. Anytime you can see a legend compete in their sport, their thing, it's awesome. Anytime you can go see a band that's legendary that won't tour much anymore, it's great. And if, you know, I don't want to bring AEW into this, but, the way that AEW has booked Sting has been great. I hope that they continue this way or if they phase him out, whatever. But, man, they've booked him great, and he still has, you know, that aura of him of being Sting. And the fact that he can still go at his age is a testament to his longevity in this business. Yeah, he's a guy that kind of did things his way. Um, I was doing a little reading on him then another place another time, but he stayed in WCW. He could have went to WWF any time he wanted to, but he loved the schedule. He didn't miss any of his kids' stuff growing up, um, you know, because where he lived and, and just the schedule. So uh, props to him, and I'm glad. I mean, he's still he's still around. He's still doing it, and he looks good. You know, he's someone who survived the rough and tough uh, wrestling lifestyle and, and came out, you know, good on the other side. Uh, 100%. And the fact that he did eventually get to uh, the WWE, I thought that was fantastic. Uh, I really wish, you know, fantasy booking had on. Uh, as far as Sting goes, I really wish we could have seen him versus The Undertaker. I know that's uh, that's on almost everybody's fantasy booking list of what-if matches. Uh, oh, for sure definitely on mine. Uh, <clears throat> towards the top of mine, but Sting is just an all-around great performer, and uh, I mean this this pay-per-view was not one of his best matches. It's nobody's best match, though, when you look at the card overall. And the match ended with a lead pipe, a steel or a, yeah, a lead pipe, and Relax. a, couple, and a Relax. Relax. death drop. Relaxed rules, right? Yeah. I don't know how I feel. So let me ask you this, Nick: How can yep. a company go? 
from being thrown over the top rope resulting in a disqualification to now in 2000, utter chaos and nobody gives a crap. Do whatever the hell you want. The refs aren't going to bother to disqualify anybody. You got Eric Bischoff and you add a little Vince Russo to that and that's what you get. Um, chaos, right? Eric Bischoff yeah. always said controversy creates cash. But uh, no, um, they had to swing for the fences here. See, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but they had to. They had to swing for the fences here because they were getting their asses kicked on the other side. That is that is very true, and it's unfortunate because had they, I think if they had gone a different direction than Vince Russo, they may have been able to survive. They may not may not have ever been to the point where they were beating WWE anymore, but I think they could have survived a lot longer had Russo not come in and done this ridiculous booking that really was salt in the wound of WCW as they went down. It, it was, but I cannot blame WCW for booking Vince Russo, having seen the successes that he had over at his at their competitor, WWF, WWE, whatever you want to call it. So, yeah. Hey, oh. he was he was the hot free agent. Um, he came from them. Man, he's going to come help us immediately. So I see the mindset there, but it just did not work. No, it it didn't, and I agree. I mean, if I were if I were running WCW at that time, seeing what Vince Russo did to turn around WWF's product, I would have done the same thing. I, I can't say I wouldn't have made the same move. But like we said earlier, Vince Russo is one of those guys who needs to have someone keeping him in check. He, does. And he just didn't have that. No, and aren't you glad that you've got someone to keep you in check? You're kind of you're kind of that person. I got to keep you in check, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and vice I mean, versa. And look, vice at, versa. <laughs> look at our podcast last week. I said a word that I probably shouldn't have, and I'm not going to repeat it. But it was in reference to a wrestler. <laughs> and right away, you're like, whoa, what'd you do there? <laughs> no, that's all right. Hey, we're here. To, hey, it, we're, a, we're a system of checks and balances, right? Exactly. <laughs> and I love every second of it. Well, I can I could opine for Sting and, and not appreciating him, but now I do appreciate him, and, and we're going to leave Sting and Vampiro in the dust here as we are going to you know come to the conclusion here. Two more matches to talk about on this show. Um, match number nine features – is it Hulk Hogan or is it Terry Bollea? They kept referring to him as Terry Bollea, like, oh, yeah, you're, you're cool, Scott Hudson. You're cool, Madden. We know that's his real name, okay? We know that, but I don't know if that was – I'm guessing that was part of the New Blood Millionaires Club angle. And, and, and I had a note circled here, but, man, I really thought a lot of people were pissed at me watching this show. I see F-U-N-B uh, signs all over the place. I'm like, gee, many Christmas. I haven't even hated on this show yet. But uh, yeah. the, the F-U New Blood, you know, I, was, I got a kick out of that. And that's what's on the back of Hogan's shirt. Hogan is taking on uh, Kidman, who I was always really fan of, whether, whether he was with Raven's Flock or whether he was on his own. I was even a bigger fan of Tory Wilson, and Tory looks great here, by the way. And of course, hey, Uncle Eric, Easy E, is your referee for this match. <laughs> 
So you know this is going to get out of hand because Easy e uh, Eric Bischoff, he is one of the leaders of the New Blood, Hulk Hogan, of course, uh, being one of the prime champions of the Millionaires Club, uh, arguably one of the leaders, him and Ric Flair, I'd say, were the top two guys as far as star power goes overall. Sure. <clears throat> I mean you can make an argument here. This is a sidebar of Hogan and Flair being the two biggest names in the business almost ever, at least up until this point. Oh, for sure. Um, Hulk Hogan brought us through the time. Hulk Hogan took the WWF from Bob, from Bob Backlund and then mainstreamed it. Of course, with a lot of help, you know, Hulk Hogan being at Rocky Three and the rock and wrestling thing going on and all sorts of things, getting the proper, you know, uh, uh, run when they did. All these things go into it. And, and Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan is synonymous with one. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about it someday, but the, the, the Mount Rushmore of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And yeah. Whether whether, if, whether he could do a drop toe hold and, and, and get out of that and, and, and do a uh, you know single leg cross face, who cares? That guy at WrestleMania three cemented his legacy and ushered in a whole new group of people uh, that became wrestling fans. And then to turn around and um within a within less than a decade to become the biggest heel in the business and revitalize WCW in the same way he did WWF. But on the other side of the coin, the man has to be in your, in your top, uh, top 10 list for people to be on that Mount Rushmore wrestling. There's, if, if he's not even in a contention on your list, then you need to check your pulse. Cause there's something wrong with you in my opinion. Oh, for sure. For sure. In, in this match, you always kind of wonder, man, Hogan, a couple years younger against Kidman, what might have been, you know, their styles make fights, and these are different styles, obviously an older Hogan. But always enjoyed Kidman's work. Um, this match was fine. I, 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 it wasn't, yeah, there's going to be hijinks, but it wasn't as bad as one would think it would be. No. Here's the thing, you know, the, the commentators talked about Kidman getting a couple wins over Hogan before this. Uh, do you think that that uh, the initial plan was for Kidman to get the win here and Hogan pulled the, uh, the that's not going to work for me, brother card out of his uh, out of his repertoire? Or do you think that Hogan actually uh, was supposed to go over in this match? You know, it's hard to say. Hogan, Hogan was still getting paid at this point which was probably why the ship was sinking. He's still getting paid that big money. So yeah. I forget what – listen, I, I, I am not really familiar with the storylines after this pay-per-view, so I don't know what happened with Hogan and Kidman after it. But he might have pulled a veto card and Bischoff might have, you know, gone along with it, brother. But, yeah, I would have liked to see Kidman go over here too, but I don't know what happens afterwards, so I really can't comment. And I, I, I wish I could. I I did not take the time to to look up what happened afterwards. Just uh, 
I'll be honest, my my time has been limited the last couple of weeks, so I I was happy to get this show watched as much, twice like I did and get some good notes, but I haven't had time to uh, to really research what happened after. So it's a good question, and we'll have to put a pin in that because it you you gotta wonder anytime anytime that Hogan goes over with a with a younger talent, you have to ask yourself is is it Hogan putting them over, which I know he did, you know, there, you got to look at Goldberg. That was Hogan's choice to drop the belt to Goldberg when he did. But at the same time, he does have that creative control card that he can pull whenever he pleases. Right. Well, brother, when you, when you've gone through what he has gone through and done what he has done, yeah, you've earned that. And I don't know. I, I don't know what the plans were. I mean, that's what's great about this. We can revisit and go down any rabbit hole or any parallel universe in the wrestling world that we want to. You know, that's the best part about this. But uh, for sure, Hogan, I'm sure, you know, making him, him being Kidman relevant in a few was yeah. uh, probably a big enough rub for Kidman. And so I don't, I don't see, I don't see the problem. I, I don't see the problem with it. I would have liked to have seen it too, but obviously it didn't happen. Right. And, you know, that leads us right into our main event, Nick. And I'm just going to come out and say, let me preface this. Let me preface this, folks. This main event is CZ's baby. I cannot wait for his take on this. I'm just looking forward to it. I'm sorry. You can go ahead and do your thing now, but I can. I know you've been looking forward to this. So, I the thing that I love about any WCW main event on any WCW pay per view, you've got Michael Buffer, big time boxing and a, a ring announcer coming in. Let's get ready to rumble. I well, love, you, you know, and you knew you were going to have that with the movie, right? Yeah, because the movie is called Ready to Rumble. Sure. And for those of you who have not seen the movie, it's been out for 20 years. I apologize. I'm going to spoil it for you. Uh, the movie ends with the main character, not uh, the main side character, the main wrestling character. David Arquette gets involved in his character as well, but the main wrestling character is involved in a triple-tier cage match. So... What WCW did was they brought what they called the ready to rumble cage onto one of their pay-per-views. Now it was handled a little differently than the movie did. And here's how, uh, so the triple Q tiered cage, they had different, uh, different match types set to the cage, I guess is the best different gimmicks. So the first cage, just a normal wrestling ring surrounded by essentially a WWF hell in a cell. I think that that was the inspiration for the bottom cage was uh, Hell in a Cell because you had the top on the cage. It wasn't attached to the ring posts and the, the apron. It was out by the barricades. Next tier up, you have the hardcore cage. And this hardcore cage has every mag weapon imaginable. And if you're paying attention and you're looking closely, there's even a kitchen sink hanging from the cage. Is there, a Terry, is, is there a Terry Funk in that cage? There should be, but there's not. There should have been, because Terry Funk's a weapon, and he's a hardcore champ. Dude, that would 
that would have made this match so much better just to book Terry Funk in that cage and anybody who comes in that door just gets their ass kicked. <laughs> I think I think that would have improved the match and the show vastly, but of course you had the great Terry Funk in that earlier hardcore match uh, with Ridiculousness and Ralphus and Norman Smiley. We, we've talked about that. Uh, the top of the cage, the third tier of the cage, is the guitar cage. And why on earth would you need a guitar cage? Well, because one of your competitors is J-E-double-F-J-A-double-R-E-double-T Jeff Jarrett. And I'll be... And you, I'll be... <laughs> and you better be careful what words come out of your mouth next, slap nuts. <laughs> Spend my days working hard on the... Go oh, wait, I'm sorry. That's the wrong Jeff Jarrett. Oh, <laughs> I couldn't resist getting that in there, but at least at this this iteration of Jeff Jarrett, he's gotten rid of the weird stripy uh, shirt. Uh, he's just wearing trunks now. He's got his hair buzzed, uh, coming out with the sunglasses, calling people slap nuts, and hitting people with guitars, all uh, all of the honky tonk man. So. This is a completely different iteration of Jeff Jarrett. Uh, you've got Diamond Dallas Page, and you've got the WCW World Heavyweight Champion, David Arquette. And David Arquette wants nothing to do with this match, as he says throughout the night. Uh, we'll see just how that's going to play out in a few moments. Um, so David Arquette, I want to mention first, Coming out, what did you think of his ring gear, Nick? That's the first note I have. The first note I have is, could Seth Rollins pull this off? <laughs> I think he could. I, I, I really I, do. I think he could, too, because if I had – I guess <laughs> I forgot how ludicrous his ring gear was and his, his outfit. But, yeah, if, if we hadn't seen Seth Rollins the last few years, I would have been put off by it. But I'm like, eh, I think Seth Rollins could do it. <laughs> I would love for him to actually give a nod to this so that we can have the side-by-side -side meme of who wore it better. Oh, totally. I totally agree. But, uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> I kid you not. I kid you not. That's the first note I had written down. And that's that's right where other – so that's actually the second note that I had – the first note, of course, I've already talked about, and that is Michael Buffer. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Always love him. Um, always love him introing a match. I think it's very classic. It has a big fight feel for it, even if that match I, is not a big you, fight feel. You couldn't have said it better, CZ. You know, I was a Raw fan growing up, but I always, I always love how Nitro replayed right after it, so you could catch it. And Buffer adds the big fight feel. There's a buzz in the air when he's in there. And whether or not the main event of Nitro or of uh, said pay-per-view, be it Slambury 2000 here, delivered or not, Bruce Buffer gave it that feel. Excuse me, Michael Buffer. His brother Bruce does the UFC. Yeah, Michael really – Michael Buffer is one of the best ring announcers in the business ever because because of that big fight feel that he brought to anything he touched. Even if it's something as ridiculous as a triple-tiered, ready-to-rumble cage match. So, you know what? I mean, let's get into it. Yeah, I, 
I've seen worse gimmicks in wrestling. This isn't the worst gimmick match I've ever seen. And but it I'll be does, honest, but it, it does set a standard. It, it, it does. And I'll be honest, this is not the worst triple tier triple tiered cage match that WCW has ever put on. Uh, we'll put a pin in that, Nick, because I think you and I need to talk about that show at some point down the road, but probably closer to an anniversary of that show. You oh, know what sure. I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I got an idea for sure. I okay. do. Okay. We're just going to leave it at that and no spoilers because we'll talk about that another time, um, <laughs> which I may just to do, but that's let's... for another place and another time. <laughs> exactly. Spend my day. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> So let's let's get into the loud sound closer. So the way this is structured, you start in the bottom cage, you work your way to the hardcore cage. You technically are supposed to work your way to the guitar cage, but let's face it, the as they reference multiple times, the 30 pounds of gold is hanging above the guitar cage. So if you were any kind of smart you would just bypass that third cage because you got to go outside to get up to it and just climb up and grab the damn belt. Am I wrong? Yeah, but then what are you going to do for the rest of the match? Well, that's I mean, fair. You know what? I'm going to give them some credit here. This match, the, the, the booking into it, the, the, the idea, it's there, but it's still crap. But I'm going to tell you what, they cut this crap off at the right time. This match ends just shy of 15 and a half minutes at 15.29. At least this thing didn't go out 40 minutes. Yeah. That I think, uh, I think that would have been completely unbearable. Um, So you've got uh, my notes on this here. You've got Paige and, uh, and Jared do most of the fighting. Uh, Jarrett does chase David Arquette around the bottom ring for a little bit, a couple times. Uh, Page makes his way up into the the second cage. Uh, at one point, the cage wall falls down when both Page and Jarrett crash into it. So that yeah. tells you how safe this cage is, right? Right there. Yeah, this thing. This thing is an OSHA, uh, an, an OSHA dream come true. <laughs> Uh, but the, the big high point of the match comes, you've got all three. David Arquette makes his way up up top. Um, DDP and Jared exchange guitar shots because there's at least four guitars in that upper cage. Uh, David Arquette gets handed a guitar by DDP at one point, only for David Arquette to come back and smack DDP with the guitar. Jeff Jared follows up with his own guitar shot. And that's the swerve, bro, of the whole night. Because it's not a Vince Russo unless there's a swerve. What about Mike uh, Awesome? How did Mike Awesome magically appear out of nowhere? I have no idea. No, I'm I dead don't... serious. I'm dead serious. Does, does Mike Awesome have the powers of levitation? Because <laughs> he shows up out, like, off camera um, at the door at the steps of the guitar cage. Um, so I'm like, where the hell did that, did, did he just soar in there? 
Um, but yeah, Mike Austin makes an appearance in this. I mean, he got yeah. double booked. He got, he got a he got in a little pay, little extra pay in his envelope. And after the match, uh, Canyon makes an appearance as well, and him and Mike Awesome are fighting while Jared and David Arquette are celebrating up at the top. Of course. Um, and this is this is the spot that I was talking about. Mike Awesome throws Canyon off of the cage into the gimmicked part of the ramp. You knew earlier when these two were having their hot fight, it just it just ended too soon, and there wasn't any uh, uh, ending to their little story. I'm glad it was part of this match. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, this match is essentially a one-on-one match. You can't do much with Arquette, um, and that's fine. They booked themselves in a corner when they gave him the belt the first place, but that's neither here nor there. What we do have here is WCW trying to right that wrong. Yep. Two quality workers in the match get the belt off our cat in, in a gimmicky way that's going to make us money and have them go out and watch it. Yeah, it's crap, and we've crapped all over it. But man, it, it, it at least it's not it, it, it's crap, but it's not the stinkiest crap. No, there there is far worse that that we could talk about and probably will down the line. We've got some longevity here on. Uh, on our shows where I'm sure we're going to talk about things that are worse than this uh, in our, uh, in our garbage wrestling discussions. But I do. But, it is, it is garbage. Dude. It is absolute garbage. And I love it. And for no other reason than the fact that this whole show was garbage with few exceptions, go back and watch it and be entertained by the garbage, be entertained by the ridiculous of Slamboree 2000. I know Listen. I was, Oh my goodness. I was so entertained. I really was like, I had, you know, I knew about this match. I knew about the ending. I knew about this or that, but man, I, like we talked about, man, I totally forgot about Terry Funk in WCW. I totally forgot about Terry Funk as the hardcore champion. We got Mike awesome and Chris Canyon. Uh, we get Jeff Jarrett just going nuts up on the stage with quite, or on top of the cage with quite possibly the best championship belt of all time. Oh man. I love that big gold belt. But that is the most beautiful belt there is. They got it off Arquette um, to Jarrett. And then, you know, man, Mike Awesome is now going to beat the crap out of DDT. Yeah, it, it's – hey, if you're looking for five-star matches, you're, you're not going to get them on this show. But if sometimes – I mean, a lot of times when I'm doing stuff out here in the, in the studio cleaning up, I'll put a pay-per-view on and just – and have it running and stuff. That's what I do. This is a good show to put that on. This is throw on Slamboree 2000 if you're having a bad day and realize, hey, this crap made it. I'll make it. So yeah, use it as a it, if Slamboree 2000 made it, I may, I can make it. You know, all, all kidding aside, this really is an entertaining show. Um, and yeah. It's ugly, it's crappy, but it's entertaining, and you won't be disappointed, I promise you. No, and, and go into it knowing that it's crappy, and just enjoy it. Just enjoy the ride. It's, it's a roller coaster from the start. Uh, you've, got some, you've got some really good spots. You've got some fun, entertaining spots, but just go and enjoy the ride. I, I recommend if you haven't watched it in 20 years, it's worth popping on Peacock and giving it a watch. Take a couple hours. Hell, 
take a take a couple of days, watch it in pieces, but just enjoy enjoy the show for what it is. With, seriously, with that being said, make sure after viewing this, you uh, take a shower and make sure you also wash your hands uh, after viewing this because it does get gross and, and dirty in parts with, no, I'm kidding. This, the, the matches do get gross at times um, <laughs> with some of the booking and just the fact you see Vince Russo so much makes you uh, definitely want to take a bath after watching the show. Yeah, I I agree, um, but but at the end of the day, worth worth sitting and taking a look at, um, especially if you've enjoyed me and Nick talking about it because this this was a lot of fun, and you know I'll be honest, I'm looking at the clock. We've gone a little bit longer than I thought we would, uh, maybe a lot longer, but that's not that's okay because this was a fun show to talk about because oh, of the ridiculousness. This flew by. I can't wait to revisit <laughs> uh, another show like this. I, I love watching these. Uh, I love watching these shows and, and, and finding the good and the bad. And there's good in this for sure. But uh, if you like bad, this is your show too. So let's, uh, let's put a pin in slam or put a, put a bow on Slambery 2000. And let's talk and, about um, what we got coming up. Uh, Next yeah, let's week, talk about it. Next week, we're going to give some more love to WCW. Uh, believe I mentioned this last on last week's podcast. Uh, I love so- September in WCW. It's Fall Brawl. Fall Brawl means war games. So we're going to look at 97. Um, the only thing I'm going to say, if you look at the card itself, it's a, it's a pretty well-rounded card. Uh, you're going to look at the main event, and you're going to say, oh, well, that's the – the B team or even the C team of the NWO, but with good reason. We'll talk about that next week. Um, and then we're going to, we're going to, we're going to do the big reveal tonight. We've got a, we've got a couple of big things planned for the following two weeks. Uh, I'm going to announce one of them tonight, uh, but we're going to, let me start by this, Nick. Uh, last Saturday, you went to the SCW pro show in Walcott, Iowa. Tell us about the show. What did you think of it? Oh, man, it was my first show uh, back since post-COVID. I had been to the Walcott Coliseum before uh, for a show or two. I love the venue. I was joking with my friend. I go, this is like the this is like the MSG um, for SCW Pro. It's not the biggest venue, but it's kind of got the intimate feel. Sit as close as you want. It was a good card. Hey, in and out of there in two hours for $10, guys. You can't beat it. They're not paying us anything. Um but kind of wanted to preface it because next week we're going to kind of break format a little bit and we will have an interview uh, for our listeners. It'll be the first interview here on Card Subject to Change. I'll let CZ uh, make that announcement. But, dude, uh, I think SCW Pro is, is they run shows every other weekend or something. So there's plenty of opportunity <laughs> to see them. Uh, check out their social media. It's all at SCW Pro. Um, but, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and talk about our guest. We just have an interview next week, so you won't hear us burning Slambery 2000. Instead, we will uh, be talking to a pretty known uh, name in the area. Yeah, I, I am super excited for two weeks from now uh, because we get to sit down with the head coach of the Black and Brave Wrestling Academy, the uh, the booker, the owner, uh, or the uh, the produce, promoter of SCW Pro, Mr. Merrick Brave. Uh I've, I've known Merrick for 
probably about 10, 15 years now. He's a 20-year ring veteran, and I'm really looking forward to uh, <clears throat> to hearing all about not only the Black and Brave, his role there, but just his views on wrestling and <clears throat> how he got into the business, uh, how some of his favorite moments and matches in his career and just throughout. I'm, I'm anxious to talk to him. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, we're going to see – I think we're going to see a different side of him. We're going to obviously talk about the wrestling, his background, currently what he's doing, but interested to see what he does, how he got into wrestling as a fan, you know, what, what keeps him going uh, as a fan and what, what he enjoys watching. And I've come across some tidbits that I'm anxious to ask, ask him about. I'm not going to spoil anything now. Uh, just that I'll leave that teaser. There's a couple of big things that he could have been involved in uh, that I'm anxious to ask him about. So we'll leave that there. Uh, Nick, do we want to talk about the other interview that we're doing uh, the week after Merrick Brave? Well, just expect an interview the following week as well. Breaking format again, but that's okay. Um, we'll announce the name, I think, next week. But the next two podcasts will be interesting. They're going to be different. Back-to-back interviews. So next week's show, we'll have that interview with Merrick Brave. And then our two first show. Next, two weeks from now is Merrick Brave. Ball Brawl 97 is next week. Two weeks is Merrick Brave. And in the third week, we'll have another interview, and we'll announce that uh, after the Fall Brawl 97 review. I, I like it. So that's going to wrap things up for us today. Uh, it has been fantastic and a lot of fun talking about everything Slamboree 2000. Uh, like I said, we're going to give the rub to WCW again next week with Fall Brawl 97. Uh, you have been listening to Cards Subject to Change on the For Frequency Sake Podcast Network. Uh, find me on Twitter at the Wizard CZ. Uh, Nick, my tag team partner, is at NickBull55. You can find the show at CSTC Podcast on Twitter and also on Cards Subject to Change Podcast on Facebook. Thank you all for joining us here. We will see you next week. Nick, take us out. Happy birthday, CZ. Tomorrow's his birthday. Make sure everybody reaches out to him. Bye-bye. It's been a blast. See you next week. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in.